conquest possession, okay, of the promised land. And the promised land would represent what? Save life. The promised land does not represent heaven. The promised land represents our saved life. It cannot represent heaven because there, death, there was death in the promised land. There was disobedience. So how we obtain the promises of God, how we uh, possess the promises of God, um, the, the promised land was promised or the land flowing with milk and honey was promised to Abraham, promised to Moses, and Joshua was the one that led the people over. And since they never been there before, they had to learn how to possess it. So it tells us that when you get saved, salvation, it's a continual, the, the sanctification process is continual. You get saved today, there's still many years of sin and learned behavior that you have to sanctify and, and the Holy Spirit has to cleanse and you get a new mentality. So all of that is your process of being Christ-like. Process of being Christ-like. So so no one has obtained, but we are obtaining. We're, we're not perfect, but we are perfecting ourselves. Uh, we are perfecting. We are every day trying to be more and more like Christ and getting rid of the old man. Everybody with me? And we understand that. So, so, so the book of Joshua gives us a picture of all the things we have to deal with. So we're not dealing with Amorites and Jebusites and Canaanites, um, but we are dealing with depression and anger and pride and, and other things in our mind that we have to overcome. Everybody with me? So if you take away anything from that, uh, just, just take away possession. Uh, so we talked about possession. We talked about um, uh, we talked about Rahab, um, and we talked about um, her spiritual courage. And in the midst of her culture in Jericho, uh, in the Promised Land, she was willing um, to to help the Israelites or the Hebrews even though her culture uh, said differently. So even in that lesson, we, we can say, are you willing to go against the trend, go against the world for Christ? Now, even now, um, salvation and living for the Lord is, is very unpopular. You know, we are the minority because the world is so against the Bible. They, they are so against uh, what what God put up, put in order. So um, we, we learned about that. Um, and some other um, things we talked about in the book of, okay. So, so tonight, I want to look at um, the 24th chapter. And I want to go to that familiar passage of Scripture. And I want to pull out uh, some practical truth. This is probably uh, the most familiar passage in the book of Joshua. It is probably the most familiar. Um, and it's found in chapter 24. All right. Let's go. Joshua 24. Uh -huh. Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem, and summoned Israel's elders, leaders, judges, and officers, and they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of, of Israel says, long ago your ancestors 
including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. Now let me, let me show you the scene here. Uh, Joshua is getting up in age. He's getting ready to leave. He's getting ready to die. Um, uh, he was um, 110 years old. So he's giving a, his final declaration or his final setting some things in order. So that's the scene. Um, and, and that's where we are. Go ahead. But I took your father Abraham from the region beyond the Euphrates River, led him throughout the land of Canaan, and multiplied his descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I gave the hill country of Seir to Esau as a possession, but Jacob and his sons went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron. I plagued Egypt by what I, by what I did there, and afterward I brought you out. When I brought your fathers out of Egypt and you reached the Red Sea, the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen as far as the sea. Your fathers cried out to the Lord, so he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and brought the sea over them, engulfing them. Your own eyes saw what I did to Egypt. After that, you lived in the wilderness a long time. Later, I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived beyond the Jordan. They fought against you, but I handed them over to you. You possessed their land, and I annihilated them before you. Balak, son of Sippor, king of Moab, set out to fight against Israel. He sent Balaam, son of Beor, to curse you, but I would not listen to Balaam. Instead, he repeatedly blessed you, and I delivered you from his hand. You then crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The people of Jericho, as well as the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites fought against you, but I handed them over to you. I sent the hornet ahead of you, and it drove out the two Amorite kings before you. It was not by your sword or bow. I gave you a land you did not labor for, and cities you did not build, though you live in them. You are eating from vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Now, let me, let me, let me just interject this. When the Bible says, when you get saved, any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. But you're in the same body. You're in the, you have the same mind. Um, the promised land was not a land that nobody dwelt in. A promised land that God gave them still had inhabitants that they had to drive out. So you see the similarities of it was a promised land for Israel, the Hebrews, but they had to drive out the inhabitants. So, so the land would not become what God intended it to be until they drove out those enemies. So you are not going to be what God wants you to be until we drive out some things or until we drove out those things that um, we have to deal with. Y'all see that? In other words, we are saved. We're not, we're not superseding the blood of Jesus and the cross. So you're not saved by good works. You're not saved by, you know, living a certain way. You're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. However, uh, the sanctification process goes on because we want to be more like Christ. So you all see the similarities of, of he gave them this land, but they had to deal with the land. Okay, go ahead. Verse 14, therefore, fear the Lord and worship him in sincerity and truth. Get rid of the gods your fathers worshiped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and worship 
Yahweh. But if it doesn't please you to worship Yahweh, choose for yourselves today the one you will worship, the gods your fathers worshiped beyond the Euphrates River or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. As for me and my family, we will worship Yahweh. The people replied, we will certainly not abandon the Lord to worship other gods. For the Lord our God brought us and our fathers out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery, and performed these great signs before our eyes. He also protected us along the way we went and among all the peoples whose land we traveled through. The Lord drove out before us all the peoples, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will worship the Lord because he is our God. But Joshua told the people, you will not worship Yahweh because he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not remove your transgressions and sins. If you abandon the God and worship foreign gods, he will turn against you, harm you, and completely destroy you after he has been good to you. No, the people answered Joshua, we will worship the Lord. Then Joshua told the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you yourselves have chosen to worship Yahweh. We are witnesses, they said. Then get rid of the foreign gods listen, that are among Okay, now you. listen to what he said. He said, okay, listen to what you just said. You said you're going to worship God. He, he wants them to listen, okay, because he was like, okay, now if you're going to worship God, it's going to cost you something. And he's saying, okay, you, you, you ain't, he, he's rhetorically asking, you are not really able to worship God. But if you said you're going to worship him, he's really trying to say, okay, it's going to cost you something. It's, it's going to be a little difficult and challenging. I want you to know what's going on. Okay, go ahead. 23, then get rid of the foreign gods that are among you and offer your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. So the people said to Joshua, we will worship the Lord our God and obey him. On that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people of Shechem, at Shechem and established a statue, an ordinance for them. Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. He also took a large stone and set it up there under the oak next to the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, you see this stone, it will be a witness against you, for it has heard all the words the Lord said to us, and it will be a witness against you so that you will, deny, you will not deny your God. Then Joshua sent the people away each to his own inheritance. After these things, the Lord's servant, Joshua of Nun, son of Nun, died at the age of 110. They buried him in his allotted territory at Timnath Sarai in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gaash. Israel worshiped Yahweh throughout Joshua's lifetime and during the lifetime of the elders who outlived Joshua and who had experienced all the works Yahweh had done for okay. Israel. All right, we'll stop right there, and you all can finish those last two verses. Okay, so uh, let's, let's get to our focus. Let's get to our focus. The familiar passage, um, chapter 24, verse 15. And if it seems evil to you, to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So here is a leader who gets it. Here is a leader who gets it. Joshua is at the end of his life. But 
Joshua being an original from the land of Egypt. So uh, Joshua and Caleb were the only original people that went into the promised land. If you remember when Moses led over one million people out of Egypt, they all died in the wilderness except for Joshua and Caleb. So Joshua, he, he had a broader perspective than the people he led into the promised land. He, he had a, a larger and broader perspective. Joshua had experienced and seen disobedience and rebellion to God in the wilderness. And even going into the promised land, he, he seen it. He served Moses. He succeeded Moses. So the ways and personalities of people and relationship with those people, with God, did not surprise him at all. So Joshua, at the end of his life, gives a final charge. But he also leaves on record a personal testimony. But if it doesn't please you to worship Yahweh, uh, the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R-D, that's, that's Yahweh, that's, that's I am, or Jehovah. He says, but if it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, O Yahweh, choose for yourselves today the one you will worship, the gods your fathers worshiped beyond the Euphrates River or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. Now, he testifies now. But for me, <laughs> what, what, what I'm going to do, <laughs> that's what he's saying. But, but you know, y'all can do what you want. <laughs> but, but as for me and who I can control, we don't follow the Lord. Now, 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 please understand this choice. I want you to really be mindful of the choice. This was, not, this was not a choice like choose idol gods, choose God. It, it was not that simple. It was more of the choose the obvious choice. Because he spends the whole chapter telling them what God had done. Okay? He didn't, he didn't compare God to the idols, he spends time giving uh, God's resume, if I said, he, he really tells them, this is what the true God did for you. So he's not just saying, you know, you, know, you, can, you, can, take, you can take the wine or the water, you can take, you know, the peanut butter or the jelly, or you can take the eggs or the bacon. No, he, he, he really is saying, I'm, I'm going to describe how great God is. So if you don't choose him, <laughs> hey, so he, he, didn't, he didn't spend time comparing and, and, and describing idol gods. So, so the choice was not just, just, you know, a platter he sends, puts out before them. And say, you know, you know, when you're in a restaurant and they bring out the desserts and say, these are our desserts. You want this one, this one, then you want to, you know, they, they want you to look at, you know. But no, this is not like that. So, so the choice was very obvious. So what he's really saying, choose God. Choose God. So he could have said, choose God. Now, whether you choose him or not. As for me, <laughs> this is what I'm going to do. So he, he gives an obvious choice. Then he testifies and leaves on record that his choice, what his choice would be. So it is a leader, listen at this, it's a leader of a group of people. But watch this. Also, he was part of that group, but declares to them, 
his independence. Now think about that. He was part of the group, but he declares independence. So allow me to say it like this. Uh, so he, he kind of, so understand the independence of what he is saying. Now I, I kind of wrote it like this. So he really saying it in, 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 in my words, I cannot make you people do anything. Your God has shown you his faithfulness down through the years. Yet you as a nation have in times past gone after idol gods and disobeyed the true God. But I want you all to know that even if all of you backslide and stop serving the Lord, I will never turn away from God. So as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, I want to I look at that. I want to look at that statement for the teaching tonight, these last uh, 25 minutes or so. Um, number one, spiritual choice is always an individual matter. Spiritual choice is always an individual matter. Even in a church, spiritual choice is always an individual matter. Say that. Spiritual choice is always an individual matter. I can't, I, I can't save anybody. I can deliver a message. It's up to the Holy Spirit to convict you, and it's up to you to accept the call and to accept. My job is to tell you. Your job is to listen. You don't listen, and I have done my job is to give you the truth when you stand before God. Number two. We will stand before God ourselves. The Bible tells us that we will give an account to God of what we did. And you can't say, see, see, those folk down there, God, you know, I, I would have lived for you, but, you know, they, they were just getting on my nerves. No. Don't work that way. It's, a, it's an individual matter. And notice Joshua as the leader he still separates himself. Not saying that he did not love them he did not care for them he was still a part of them. But when it comes to serving God <laughs> That, that, that is where I draw the line. I can, be, I can be a part of a family, and they can be all sinners, but there's a line that I'm not going to cross. You know what I'm saying? It'd be like, y'all can go, but I ain't going. Oh, you, you, you ain't, I, I thought you were part of a family. I am. <laughs> But there's certain things I ain't doing. Uh, you, you just, you just, you know, you, you ain't with us. Yeah, I'm with you. But I ain't doing that. You had a... When, you ab when you're able to understand right from wrong. When you're able to understand right from wrong, then you are accountable. We, we get that age 12... From because Jesus was age 12, but that's not necessarily true. It's when you come to uh, know right from whatever that age is, okay? When you come to that age of accountability, okay? Okay, so you can be part of a group, an organization, and still be an independent thinker when it comes to the things of God. You can be a part of a group, an organization, and still be an independent thinker when it comes to the things of God. Are you hearing me? 
Okay? So, you should never forget the real reason why you are saved. And in your saved life, who do you really worship? That's rhetorical. In your saved life, who do you really worship? We are to worship the Almighty God through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ gives us the, the right standing and the access to God. So we have access to God through Jesus Christ. Are you hearing me? Okay. So um, let, me, let me break down that independent thinker and um, um, what, what that really means as an, as an individual salvation, as an individual matter. Um, all of us here can critique the church because we're part of the church. We can, we can have an opinion about the church because we're a part of the church. We can, we can say what the church does. We can say what the church should do. We can have an opinion. and That's, that's okay. That's fair. But the truth of the matter is that church is still needed. And although we have opinions on what the church could do better, we need the church. Anybody tells you, oh, I love God, I'm saved, I'd stay at home, and, and, and no, that's not what the Bible teaches. The fellowship of believers. The fellowship of believers. Right? Why, do you think, why do you think bars are so popular? Why do you think restaurants are so popular? Because people love to socialize. And you need reinforcement. So, so, so believers gives us a spiritual reinforcement. Are you hearing me? Okay. But Jesus left us the church to equip us and build us up. God will use us, the church, to reach the world. But we must never forget our purpose. We must never forget our purpose. Now, I really want to focus on that as we talk about Joshua's independent. He was, I would say his independent declaration. You know what I'm saying? That, that I'm going to tell you who God is, how great he is, and you make the choice. I'm going to declare the independence of that, what he is saying is, I'm not going to let anything or anybody make me lose my God. I'm not going to let anything or anybody make me lose my salvation. I'm not going to let anything or anybody take me away from Jesus Christ. So I can be in an imperfect church and still keep my focus. My mother told me a long time ago, um, we, were, we, were, we were in Memphis, Tennessee at the Holy Convocation. And, you know, we were, we were grappling about some things. Oh, these people don't come out here to, for God. They, they got on these clothes and everything. And my mother so wise just said, you know, she said, she said, you know what, Memphis is what you make it. She said, if you look for mess, you'll find mess. If you look for God, you'll find God. And at that particular time, I was like, okay. So I changed my philosophy. I started going to the morning prayer. A lot of folk don't come to the morning prayer. I start going to the morning teaching. So, you know, you're going at night, going to musicals, going to the night service, everybody had a, you know, go to, so in other words, you, you can find spirituality if you're looking for it, and you can find carnality if you're looking for it. So, so don't blame everything on organization. It's, it's kind of like, what, what you sniffing? 
What are you smelling? What are you out looking for? You'll find anything you're looking for. And, and that is kind of what you'll see in the history of Israel. They were up and down. They obeyed God. They disobeyed God. They obeyed God. They disobeyed God. God had to punish them. God had to whip them. And, and then they got back in line. And here you had, but through all of, throughout all that, what never goes focused on, there was always a remnant. There was always, God always had a people that didn't backslide. He had always had someone that didn't lose their life. And that's kind of where you want to be that independent thing. When everybody's going wrong, just say, no, I ain't, no. I told you the story many times. I, you know, teenage, I was, you know, hanging out with the boys at 17, you know, trying to hang out with the boys. And, you know, my friends, they were, they were I think we were in Oak Park or somewhere. They started doing something that was not right. And I remember my dad. I just remember, Joe, he, he had that way. He said, if you get in jail, don't call me. And I remember, and I remember I think I was in Oak Park or somewhere, Nine Mile Coop, and I said, let me out, let me out. I said, let me out. They said, what you talking about? It was, at, it was at an intersection. I literally got out at the intersection, got out and walked to the first, back then they had pay phones. I walked to the first pay phone and I called my brother and said, come pick me up. Now, I wasn't calling my dad, but I called my brother and said, come pick me up. But I remember that when they started doing wrong, I said, nope, let me out. Because I can remember, I said, my dad said, you get in jail, don't call me. And I believed him. Now, some people can go wrong, but some people still fear God. And say, oh, no, I ain't going too far. I don't care what's going on. When people say, no, the church ain't right. Uh, <laughs> uh, caution. Somebody in there, right? And you got, if you got to be the only one. You know, you, you really got to understand that. So, it, it's kind of like this. Um, another point. You, you know, you can, you, can, you can bring somebody here. And you can bring your young folk here and they'll say, you know, they'll say, I ain't getting none out the service. Then you take that. You know, the church ain't meeting the needs. Caution. You here. And you can, you can put blame on a church for the rebellion of people. You can put blame on the church. I ain't say the church was perfect, and we do, we do our best to, to try to be relevant, when I say relevant, uh, give the truth, but also, you know, um, have young people uh, ministry and, and elderly people trying to include people. But, but listen, and, and listen to my point. You cannot blame the church for people's not wanting to accept and get saved and change. Think about that. Because you'll, you'll say, see there, if, if the church was doing that, you know, they would come. Would they get saved? Think about that. Would they get saved? If, you know, if we had that, you know, you know my, my, my children would come. Would they get saved? Ultimately, the bottom line is, I want you to come, I may, I may give you free food, I may give away free hats to get you in the door, but that's not going to get you saved. Think about what I'm saying. I am not criticizing reaching out. 
I am not. I am not saying don't do anything. I'm going to give you an example. But what I'm saying is the ultimate is that person has to get saved. I'm not going to say we're going to stop doing so. That's not the message I'm saying. The message I am saying is I really believe when a person wants to change, they will look for God. Are you hearing me? Are you really hearing me? I'd still try, I, I, I'll still do community things. I'll still try to reach out and, and do more to engage people. That's not what I'm saying. But I do know the bottom line is if you came here 25 years and you still ain't saved, you got to meet God for yourself. And it's not the church's fault for a person not getting right with God. Let me give you that point. People will say, see there, see there? they came, and I, and I do this a lot. You know, they ain't coming back. I'm, I'm, what, what, why aren't they coming back? And it's, it's up for, and then we, we talk about this, and as a leader, you want to, you want to make sure you're, you're reaching as many people as possible, and that's going to continue. But think about when you got saved. <laughs> think about it. Think about that. Think about that acceptance of Christ. How are you different from anybody else? When you got saved, certain things didn't matter anymore. When I realized I have a need and I don't like what I'm in and I need a difference, that's when God can draw you. Let me give you an example of what I mean. Very few gas stations sell gas, just sell gas. Most gas stations are convenience stores, right? Now, now think about this. We, we, we got those two gas stations, 10 Mile and Middle Belt. One gas station we never go to because one has all the goodies. It even looks better. I, we, I even wonder why that other one is still in business. I, I'm sitting here going, they ain't never went out of business. I, I went over there one time. I, get over there, I go over there to get my propane for my grill, but I ain't, never put, I ain't never put gas. I've been in that neighborhood 22 years. I ain't never got. The other one you always go to because the building looks better. The pumps look better. That one is just an old filling station. Look kind of, uh. So you go to what you like. You go what's appealing. We do that in the church. That's fine. And when the Lord put this, when the Lord dropped this in my spirit, he took me to that. And, and I was like, yeah, you, you go where it, it, it's cleaner. It looks better. It's just a, a mind procession. But then when I looked at it, and the Lord said, remember, remember when uh, I was traveling up north and I got between uh, exits and, and we were getting kind of low. Now, usually when you're traveling, you get to half tank, we'll say this, we're going to stop for gas, get something to eat. So you look for gas where the restaurant's near. You know, you're traveling, you get it to the half tank. But... I remember that time when the Lord said, remember when you were almost on E and you were looking for the first gas station and you were in the middle and it was saying, can I make 50 miles? You didn't care. The first gas station I saw because it was not, let's stop for gas and, and, and get something to eat and go to the bathroom. It was like, I need some gas. The Lord has said, he told me, ultimately, gas stations are for gas. And people go to the other stuff because they can get some chips and get a pot, get some ice. 
But when you get to a place where you, when you're, when you are empty, and the Lord says, see, see, people don't really need, <laughs> when they get, you know what I'm talking about, charisma. We, we, we take things for granted. We you know we come to church because, you know, we can see our friend and we come to church and we worship. But, but, but there are some, when I really need God, it ain't about the ice, it ain't about the, <laughs> it ain't about the crackers, it ain't about the candy, it ain't about, let me get me some mints, let me, it, it ain't nothing, I just need some gas. And Joshua said, hey, y'all can worship those idols if you want. Y'all can backslide. I ain't going to let none of y'all send me to hell. As for me, I ain't coming for all that. And we, we, we may put the snacks to get you in. <laughs> we, we may have the, the, the things we do extra to get you in. Uh, uh, but it's going to come a time... <laughs> When somebody's going to come in here and they don't need pastor feeding you all this afternoon. They, they don't need to see a fashion show. They don't need to buy jewelry. All that is good. I need my soul. That's where Joshua was. That's where Joshua was. So we were at that church and you were saying, and I was saying, you know what? They get free food. And you were like, well, I wonder, are those people here for the free food or are they really here for church? That's a rhetorical question. There were a lot of people there. They, they, had, they had food. And I was like, that's good. That's good. I, I, I wish I could afford to do that. If I start saying, Rita, free food every Sunday, oh my goodness, you ain't got to pay. Oh my goodness, we triple. And that's fine. I'm not, I'm not knocking because like I said, if we could afford to do it, I think I might do more feedings. But what I'm saying is I'm not, don't, don't look at me like, like he don't want to, no, no, I, that's not the point of the message. The point of the message is Joshua got to a certain point where he knew what was really important. And he said, I've led y'all. We fought battles together. You all seen God work. Yet, you still go after idol gods. He said, you've seen what God can do. You've seen what he can punish. And, and, and you've seen the mighty works of God. Yet, some of you still want to go after idol gods. You know why? There is a reason. If you look at serving God and serving idols, there is a reason. Serving God, you have to deny flesh. Serving idols, you please flesh. Serving God, there may be some rewards that are given to heaven. Serving idols, there are real-time sometimes rewards because it pleases flesh. I had that written down, and I should have kept it. And there are other things that why people, they'll go after idols quickly because idols, serving idols versus serving God, sometimes the idol bring more self-gratification. And serving God brings more spirituality. And then self-gratification is sometimes felt and seen. So it, 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 it appealed to the, the humanism. You mean to tell me I can have I can worship a, 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 a God of the sun. I can worship a God of, of sex. I can worship that. 
a, a God of fertility. They had a God for everything. Had the God for the, the pray for rain, a God for the crop. They had a God for everything. And, and the true God, um, it didn't appeal to them sometimes until he passed judgment on them. And that is why I'm done. So that's why the struggle. So Joshua, he, at, at the end of his life, he said, I want to leave on record. Leave on record. That the choice is obvious. Come on, say the choice is obvious. Now, you may not accept it, but the choice is obvious. He said, as for me, here's the leader. He's saying, y'all can do what y'all want to do. I took you as far as I can take you. But y'all ain't going to make me miss heaven. <laughs> I ain't missing heaven for nobody. He said, I can teach you, I can correct you, I can share with you, I can encourage you, but I cannot backslide with you. Everybody stand. And he leaves as a testimony. As for me and my house, you got to tell your children to Accept responsibility for their own actions. You know, well, church need to do that. Church need to do that. Yeah, we need to do a lot of things. We ain't perfect, but we, at the at the end of the day, we still a gas station. <laughs> at the end of the day. Now, we may have to work on our snacks to get you in the door. <laughs> and we're working on it. We want, our, we want this house beautiful. I want to appeal, curb appeal. That's, that's, David wanted it. and You ain't, you ain't carnal because you want a nice church. That's, that, that's not biblical because David wanted one. And, and God honored it. Well, anybody say, you know, y'all about a building. No, I'm about people, but I want people in a nice building. You want your house nice? How, how dare you don't want the house of God to be nice? I want activities. We got a gym. I want, I want to do more with the young people. All of that is to get you in here. All of that is to, is to, to engage you. But at the end of the day, I got to fill your empty tank with the premium of God's word. And at the end of the day, you can criticize and say this and say that and what y'all not doing for me. We ain't here to do nothing. I'm here to give you the gospel. And you cannot stand before the Lord saying, see, if my church would have just did that, I would have been there. Are you saying? If, 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 if my church would have been there, you know, I would have got, I just thought they were just for the old folk. Are you saying? He ain't going to look, he's going to look at all the sin. Because at the end of the day, we can appeal, we can, we can appeal to people. But when I get you here, you still have to get my soul filled. And Joshua's declarations, he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Come on, say, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. That's your takeaway. That's your takeaway. We can, we can critique, we can criticize, we can say what we're not. And, and if somebody got this wrong, like I'm, 
I'm really not, I'm, I'm really trying to get the focus. Because I do remember, the Lord brought that back to me. Remember, he said, look at it. Yeah, you do go to that because everything looks nice. But you remember when you really needed some gas? The first gas station you went to. And it wasn't, as, as my mind recall, it wasn't a convenience store. It was an old gas station. Where I, I didn't even care. Do you have gas? When, when you don't need gas, I'm going to get me some chips. I'm going to go to the bathroom, and I'm going to just fill up while I'm here. <laughs> Y'all been on them trips. But when you, see, you, you know, because you never get ready to eat, but when you need some gas, all I want to know, <laughs> you got 87, you got 89, you got 93. That's all I'm looking for. My car takes premium, Rita, and, and me and I went fishing to Canada. And of course, up there, they didn't have premium. So I was a little nervous. So I called the BMW dealer, and I asked. I said, you know what? I'm up here, and they don't have premium. Well, what do I do? And they said, uh, I'm going to put you back to service. He said, listen. Just fill it up with what you have. But the first premium station you get to, make it right. You say you can, you can run short term on the 87, but long term you got to get some premium. You, you may go a long, a short term on concerts. You, you, you may go short term on on meals, short term. But on the long run, you're going to do damage. He said, he said, you will do damage to the engine if you don't get some premiums as soon as you can. So it's going to come a time that you're going to really need what God has. Father God, in Jesus' name, thank you. And it is my prayer, Father, that I cannot, I cannot make anybody else do anything. I cannot make anybody live right. I can't make my family live right. I can't make my family do right. But, Father, it is my declaration. This is a personal prayer now. Come on, say, it is my declaration. That if nobody lives for you, as for me, I will live for you. In Jesus' name, thank God. Amen. Come on, clap your hands and praise the name of the Lord. You may be seated. Hallelujah.